When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It lends some maturity to it, right? He can say, okay, I've seen how this can play out by talking to my father. <laughs> offseason, and actually through last year's offseason, the Jays need to get a left-handed bat. Guess what? The Jays need to get a right-handed bat. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a tale in three tweets, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to episode number 255 of Artificial Turf Wars, where the turkey has gone down and the trade has come up. That sounded better when I wrote it instead of said it out loud, but I am your host... (laughs) I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined uh, in a festive mood by the uh, jingle-belled Joshua Housem. How you doing, Josh? Oh, I like that. I wish I could make a twinkling noise somehow, but I'm good. I, How about yeah, you? I, did, I, didn't, I didn't warn you that that was going to be the descriptor, so <laughs> that, that's on me. Nope. <laughs> I'm doing great. I had a nice Christmas, not too, not too loud, no family controversies. We managed to not have the politics come up, so I'm a happy guy. And how was... We have a question about this later, but how was your turkey cooking? I came out perfectly. Magnificent. Magnificent. What yeah. else do we have? We have Blue Jays news. Not just about you and me. We have actual Blue Jays news. We have Dalton Varsho, a man who, like apparently everyone, is the son of a major leaguer and was named for one as well. Uh, we also have um, the fact that that means there's no more Gabriel Moreno to talk about in a Blue Jays uniform and no more Lourdes Gurriel Jr. The horror that the barrio, um, which we will discuss exactly what that is if you're not familiar, uh, is broken up and to be replaced by something in the dugout, I'm sure. Uh, what other pieces are, are going to be out there now that the, the, the shape of things, you know, the big predicted moves have all happened? We shall see shortly. We have, of course, your questions because... It's an off day for you, and you saw the tweet in on mass. But we will try and answer all of them, and then we have um, a gold star uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Tell you what, uh, it's on Twitter, which somehow I'm still using. Which I it's hard to believe, isn't it? A little bit, yep. Yeah, I did have a tweet fail to go through on a response today, though. I feel I feel the cracks, the cracks beginning to form. But we got so many Twitter questions, so I don't know. Maybe that's uh, uh, maybe not algorithms just driving people to the turf pod. You're all bots, aren't <laughs> you? All of them are bots. 
So <laughs> we have interesting bot questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Dalton Varsho. Now I'm going to be straight with you. If you if you talk to me about center fielders and left fielders in the National League West. I cannot name any of them unless they've just been traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> so which means you can't name them because they're not in the National League West anymore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, just the time of the games and the change of league means I didn't know really anything about Dalton Varsho, but everything I've heard since he got uh, traded to the Jays, I've, I've liked. What about you? Yeah, well, so I was sort of on the Dalton Varsho train from the start of the offseason, I, I, I really wanted the, wanted the Jays to get him. But I wanted them to get him for center field. <laughs> he's one of the best defensive outfielders in the game. It's funny, he came up as a catcher, but it turns out he's just really good at playing the outfield because he gets fantastic jumps on the ball. Uh, I, I, I thought I think it's a little funny that they went and got Kevin Kiermeyer and then Varsho because they're both sort of doing the same thing. Now, Varsho has much more power. Like, his offensive upside is considerably higher than Kiermaier's. But he's coming to a, the worst defensive position for him because George Springer's going to be playing right. This has been confirmed by Atkins. And Varsho mm -hmm. will be playing left, except on days when Kiermaier sits, then he'll go to center. But no, I, I, I think he's a very nice fit. And I'm, I'm happy that the Jays got him. I, I, we'll get to the cost in a bit, which was a lot. But... Uh, yeah, no, he, he's the, – the Jays are going to have the best defensive outfield in baseball and one of the best of I think I can even remember with him, with Varsho, Kiermaier, and Springer out there. Um, it's the uh, – let me think. Shannon Stewart, uh, Reed Johnson, Vernon Wells. Was that at one point? <laughs> That's much worse. <laughs> depends on the uh, – depends on the – there was a three center fielders in, in the outfield for the Jays just after I started watching in – like just before I started watching again in 2008, I'm trying to, I know Reed Johnson was in left, which was crazy because he, he had all the range of center fielder. But the difference here is that Varsho and Kiermaier are two of the best center fielders in the game. <laughs> it's not just that they play center. They're really, really good at it. And Springer is still above average there. So it's, it's very funny to see the team go from having Springer in center, Lourdes Gurriel in left and Teoscar Hernandez in right. <laughs> To three guys that could realistically play center field. Whoa, wow, that came out weird. Realistically <laughs> play center field. Um, I do think that Varsho is going to end up playing center. He's just not going to do it in 2023 because that, that Kiermaier yeah. contract is a one-year contract, right? Right, and Varsho is now the very clear heir apparent to the position. He's under contract for three more seasons after this coming one. He's a, he's a super two-eligible arbitration player. And he's also a catcher. Which is crazy, Still, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, which, we should talk I, about his offense a bit. Sure. Uh, I was just going to say about his defense, it does present an interesting situation where pinch hitting late in games, the Jays maintains some of the, the carrying three catchers flexibility that you might not expect them to have. Yeah, I think that might have been part of the desire to add him. Because if they were going to move a catcher, regardless of who that was, the way they use Kirk, and now that Jansen is still around, and Jansen, they they set themselves up to some level of risk. Now, I've talked about this on our show before, that I think that the risk that someone's the, the starting catcher is going to get hurt 
far as it's pretty slim. So you're not really carrying much risk, but the Jays seem to be a little more risk averse in that area. So they probably would have had to carry a different third catcher, someone you know, like Zach Collins type, you know, now they don't have to do that. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, he's got a little bit of pop. If you want to talk about his offense. <laughs> yeah. So Varsho has kind of had an interesting offensive career. He definitely has power against righties. He had 26 of his 27 home runs against right-handed pitchers last year. Coming up in the minors, he actually hit for a pretty good batting average and a very good on-base percentage. So while he hasn't really translated that yet, he's shown flashes of it in both the, in the second half of 2021 and the second half of 2022. He was a well-above-average hitter, which brought his season-long numbers in both cases to average and he's only 24 so if, if he taps into sorry 26 That's if it. he taps into be wrong. yeah what he has shown in the minors and shown in parts of his major league seasons he could actually be a star hitter but the the upside is that he's so good defensively that if he's just a little bit above average as he has been he's still very valuable yeah, he's a four to five win player if you're using Fangraphs numbers. Yeah, no, that was playing catcher and center and right. Less so if you're playing left field. But he, as you said, he has power. He's really struggled against left-handed pitching. Last year against lefties, he hit the where is it? A two twenty-one with a two fifty on base and a three oh three slugging. So that's a five fifty-three OPS. That's bad. His average exit velocity against lefties was under 80 miles an hour, which is – that's – Billy Hamilton would be upset by those numbers. He did much better against them, however, in 2021. So it could be partly due to his change in approach last year where he sold out a bit for power and, and was trying to pull everything. If he goes back to more of an opposite field approach against lefties, I think you could see a more rounded version of our show. Which I'm sure the Blue Jays have something in mind, having acquired him, to make him, um, you know, to maximize his ability. That that you know might be a little different than what Arizona was talking to him about. Yeah, change of scene. Uh, but he doesn't. It's not like he needs a change of scene. Um, there were some interesting comments from him about getting traded uh, that he likened to his dad getting traded to the Pirates. That you know really sent his career um, in the right direction. So I thought that was an interesting perspective to have for a player who was the son of a major leaguer is to to compare his trade to his father's trade yeah it's a kind of perspective that a lot of people don't get to have and i think it it lends some maturity to it right he can say okay i've seen how this can play out by talking to my father <laughs> and obviously he's coming to a much better competitive situation you know, arizona is they're not very good and the nl west is very strong at the top Whereas the Jays are a legitimate division contender and World Series contender. So it's better for his career from a competition standpoint and from a visibility standpoint, not being stuck in the ALS or the NL West in the middle of the desert. So I think we get to what, how does he change the Blue Jays, right? Um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. was a player who, when he was this is prior to 2022, which was a bit of a weird season for him. But prior to 2022, when he was on, it looked like he was unstoppable in terms of getting on base by, you know, 
with with the bat not not with walking but literally with the bat to ball skills with you know some decent power in there and then when he was off uh it was scary like you were like is he ever going to get it back so i remember him as a very he felt like a very streaky hitter all the time yeah i don't know how much of that was accurate obviously when he was when he was on he was as good as they could be but his overall numbers for his first few seasons in the league were really good. And even last year when he had that that crazy dip in power, Gurriel still was an above-average major league hitter. And then it turned out that at the end of the season he had hamate bone surgery, which for those who are unaware, the hamate bone, when players hurt that and have to repair that, their power just goes away. It's it's not a new thing. It's happened across the league, and the, and the results are always the same. If you have a handmade injury, your power goes away. So I think there could be a reasonable case to expect that that will bounce back. So then a, a lot of people are very upset, I think, that the Blue Jays made this trade because Lourdes Curiel was you know, very likable. Um, I have my thoughts on a, a couple of – on the emotional side of getting, you know watching a player get traded um, – but I would say, first and foremost, you're getting a, let's say, a, a guy who is comparable offensively, um, like you said, but might even be better than that, depending on on whether or not he can put together his second half into a first half. And you're getting him who's far, far superior defensively, despite Gurriel's arm. Um, you know, you don't you don't necessarily need to know how well the arm works if you actually catch the ball all the time. Yeah, if you told me the Jays could have kept Gurriel in this trade. And put him at the DH. I think the Jays lineup would be dynamite because Gurriel can hit. I mean, he's shown an ability to hit well in the big leagues multiple times, but he's so bad defensively, <laughs> or at least he has been in most of his career. Oddly, in 2021 he was okay, but he's in general so bad. Last year he was terrible. You really can't trust him out there unless he's out there hitting, you know, like Teoscar Hernandez can. Or like Gurriel did in 2019 and 2020. You have to be hitting that well to justify being out there with his defense. So it was just a gamble I think the Jays weren't willing to take. Uh, yeah, I, I totally understand. And and after you know after this year, you're not getting anything for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. anyway because he's leaving in free agency. Yeah, and I think that was a big part of why all this happened. The Blue Jays were looking at their roster. Okay, we have... Going back to the start of the offseason, we have Teoscar leaving as a free agent at the end of the year. We have Gurriel as a free agent at the end of the year. And we have Springer, who probably should move off center field. How do we address this? Well, the temporary solution was go get Kevin Kiermaier for center field. But then he's a free agent at the end of the year. <laughs> yep. So they needed a long-term solution, and they got it. And now that now they know that next year and for the couple years after that, Springer's in right, Varsho's in center. And left fielders are just a lot easier to find. So you can see why they were willing to include Gurriel, even if it makes their lineup arguably worse with the trade in the short term. Offensively only. Yeah, I was going to say, offensively, it, it, it makes it worse. But I don't know that on balance you've you've really hurt yourself at all. Um, and I think that the other thing that people, this is the emotional part of the, that I wanted to mention. The thing that people tend to forget is there are only so many roster slots and only so many lineup spots. And 
if you're going to improve, sometimes that's going from, and, and this is not necessarily this example, but sometimes it's going from a two-win player to a four-win player. Um, you know, just having a consistent performer in a particular position isn't always enough if you can if you can give that up and try and try and get um, a higher ceiling to get you over that hump of now now we're not trying to win our 90th game now we're trying to win our 94th or 95th game that makes a you know th those incremental wins in that spot are worth a lot of of uh, trouble to change going from your 74th to your 78th win doesn't mean anything <laughs> so you, yeah. that it's it's all where you are in in the competitive window, and I think the Jays have accepted that they are still in a competitive window, and that means saying goodbye to some edge case assets and trying to replace them with something better. Yeah, I think that that's a good way to put it. And I, Ross Atkins himself came out and talked about this idea that the Jays are on the level of the win curve where it is the most valuable. It doesn't help them that some of their division rivals have gotten better. The Yankees signed Carlos Rodon, so <laughs> not great. But, and the Red Sox actually have been making some nice moves, even though they lost Sander Bogarts. So the Jays have to keep doing stuff like this. They have to try to get better any way they can. Um, you know, and part of that meant losing Gabriel Moreno, which this was the hardest pill for, I think, a lot of people to swallow, just because we've heard all year, really dating back to the middle of 2021, this guy is the next superstar major league catcher. Perennial mm -hmm. all-star type bat. Buster yep. Posey. She's not going to be for the Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the Blue Jays gave up Jeff Kent once upon a time, right? Yep. Um, no, I mean, the, the way these things work out, the Blue Jays had three catchers. And they needed a center fielder. Well, another center fielder. <laughs> the Diamondbacks had four center fielders who batted left-handed. They needed a catcher. And it just worked out. When Atkins was talking about this, he said the Diamondbacks had interest in all three of their catchers, and the Jays had interest to some degree in all three of the Diamondbacks, four of the Diamondbacks outfielders. Now, their Diamondbacks were not going to trade Corbin Carroll, which is why I originally said three there. But the way it worked out with the Jays essentially leaning was that what Jansen and Kirk provide to the rotation right now with the comfort level and with their offensive performance to date subtracting from them and not getting a star back, which Dalton Varsho is a star, was worse than trading the upside in, in Gabriel Moreno, Moreno and getting a star back. So I think that was a logical way to go about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, in, a, in, a, in a way, as much as Danny Jensen has been injured a million times, when he's on the field... It, apparently, yes, he has figured it out, especially from a power perspective. Um, and uh, Alejandro Kirk has done nothing but hit and improve his defense. So, you know, th there's nothing wrong with being those two young catchers that you carry. And, you know, Gabriel Moreno, as much as he may indeed be a perennial all-star catcher, he might not, right? He hasn't 100% proved... Like last year, his power just took a vacation, and nobody has really addressed why. Um, well, he also had a hand injury. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, wear, wear, wear more armor. Um, Seriously. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you still don't know 
what ultimately happens with with Moreno, and I think you have less information than you do on Kirk and Jansen. Yeah, now one of the downsides is that with the rule changes that are coming in, with the pickoff limits and the slightly bigger bases, is that base stealing is now potentially a bigger threat. And both Jansen and Kirk are average throwing catchers. Kirk has a below average arm, but he has a great accuracy. Jansen has a better arm, but less accurate. But uh, and, and whereas Moreno is one of the best throwing catchers in the game. But they needed to make upgrades. And I've been saying this basically since the start of the offseason that the Jays could lose a catcher trade, but still end up better off. If you talk about just the value return of trading a top five overall prospect and a starting caliber outfielder. Because they're trading from such extreme depth. So, yeah, they may have given up more than you'd expect for Dalton Varsho. Maybe not, depending on your viewpoint. But they still a better overall team because of it. And I tell you, if you really want to find out, if the, if you think the Jays got fleeced in this trade, I encourage you to head over and find some people who write about the Arizona Diamondbacks in a, in a uh, how should we put it, blogosphere type way and see how angry they are about Varsho leaving. Yeah, I mean, the fan bases are always going to get attached to certain players and then be upset when they go. I think that Keith Law had the best analysis of this trade that I've seen. Both teams won. Yeah. The Diamondbacks got the upside, and the Jays got the value from the currently ready player who fills a need. So that's the way baseball trade should be. Absolutely. Um, so what's left? So the interesting thing about this, all through last season and all through the start of this offseason and actually through last year's offseason, the Jays need to get a left-handed bat. Guess what? The Jays need to get a right-handed bat. <laughs> <laughs> Just one thing, Josh. It was... It's, it's, it's it happened so fast. That, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny how that switched with one trade. But... They could really use – it doesn't even have to be necessarily a right-handed bat, but ideally a right-handed bat. Someone who can play the outfield or first base and who can hit. I don't, Trey Mancini, Luke Voigt, Brandon Belt, any of these guys, There's there are many more options. But someone who could be a pretty regular fixture in the lineup – and give rest to some of the other guys when they need it. For example, I don't want Kevin Biggio being the backup at first base all season, which is what he is on the current roster. Because sometimes Vlad needs a DH. But they just need another hitter. And the, the offense right now, if you told me this lineup versus the one that ended last season, the offense is worse. Like, full stop, it is worse. And it'd be nice to at least get it back to the same level approximately with the improved defense. Yeah, I think it's doable. Um... From the pitching side, do we – I mean, I assume we're still looking – and we have questions about this because we have 4,000 questions. Uh, I assume we're still looking for some depth to that rotation that, we, that is not there right now with White and Kikuchi in the number five slot. It's tough to do that just because Kikuchi can't be sent to the minors without his permission and White's out of options. So – any depth that they get has to either be someone they can send to the minors or someone who is so clearly better than those two guys 
that you're okay with losing one of them because you're going to have to trade one because you can't have both of them in the bullpen. It just, it's not an optimal bullpen build. Mm-hmm. I don't see the latter being the likely scenario. If they could get someone like Corey Kluber or, you know, or Johnny Cueto or someone who's very reliable at the back end, then I'd be okay with trading off Kikuchi or white. But if they can't, they're better off trying to find someone who, you know, has in, had an injury or, you know, previous success who had a bad year who will sign a minor league deal. No, nobody liked that, Josh, the thing you just said, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a thousand fans screaming out in agony. Uh, yeah. Does that, does that cover us off for all the news that was fit to talk about? Yeah, not a lot happened. It was really just that one big, I mean, a, a, a let's record a podcast big trade, but nothing else really has happened since. All right, uh, which means we're going to take a breather and then we're going to come back with your questions, uh, uh, plentiful as they may be. We'll be right back. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. We have returned victorious and overjoyed to be looking at your list of queries. And when we look at them, we uh, play a song that sounds like this. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Indeed. It's not a very catchy song. No, I, there's no <laughs> chorus, there's no... <laughs> oh well. Uh, yeah, that's why we're podcasters, not, not musicians. Uh, DJ Levitan at DJ Levitan says, what vets would you like them to take a couple of flyers on? Grossman, Britton, and Kluber would be high on my list. Also, I'm guessing they'll wait to see who's left closer to spring training. I, addressing the second part of that first, I think if there are guys that they specifically want and they get the chance to get them, they'll probably strike on them because none of these guys are that we're going to be talking about are going to get big deals, whether it's like Dominic Smith or Grossman, who you mentioned. <laughs> Robbie Grossman is interesting. I, I liked him before this, but he really is a uh, he's a switch hitter who really does much better batting right-handed. So he's actually a very nice fit, and he's coming off a bad year. Um, A.J. Pollock is another guy. He's 35. He's, he's had some very good years, but was also very bad last year. The guys like that are the ones that I would be really interested in. Uh, Matt Thomas at Thomas oh, Matt's. Oh. Sorry. Yeah, I, I just I've been all on the Zach Britton train as well. You know, he he missed 21 and most of 22 with Tommy John. But before the five years prior to that, he was the best reliever in baseball. I would 100 percent be in favor of the Jay signing Zach Britton. Is he not answered, knowing where the bullpen jokes are now? Yeah, is is he not already just still waiting out in the bullpen? Is <laughs> there you go? Uh, Matt Thomas at Thomas Matt C says, I mean, asking the important questions. Frankly, Josh, how did your first hosting and first turkey go? Also, Greg, did you have to FaceTime in to help? And with Santa done for presents for the kids, who should Santa bring to the Blue Jays? Well, we've sort of answered the second part of that question, but Greg, no, you did not have to face Simon to no. help. I can answer that for you. No requirement to bail Josh out. He took care of his business. Yeah, but it went really well. The turkey, as I mentioned at the top, it turned out well, and we had a nice time. All the food was good and ready on time, and my wife was did a very nice job of creating a really nice atmosphere while I was cooking, and like so we tag-teamed that, and it went really well. 
I think the other burning question for the people out there, Josh, is cran cranberry sauce or no cranberry sauce? There was cranberry sauce. I didn't eat any of it. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I should say my wife's parents also helped out a lot. So it was, it was a nice, nice event. All right. What, what should Santa bring to the Blue Jays? I think Santa's got his feet up at the moment. I think uh, that's true. Just waiting for Santa. They're in trouble. <laughs> the, the boat has passed. Um, Easter Bunny? Yeah, I mean the Easter Bunny might might slide in in time. What a late signing! <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I I have a feeling there there will be something to surprise us in spring training, um, but I I cannot. All those names that have been floating around now for it seems like months. I'm sure one of them will shake out near the Blue Jays. Oh, um, the is it Correa? The Carlos Correa circus that is going on? Yes. So obviously, if the Jays are, as, as was joked on Twitter by someone, if, if, if you are in line to sign Carlos Correa and you've not signed him yet, do not leave the line. <laughs> 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 there may yet be a chance. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. One year, $45 million, Josh. Yet, who says no? <laughs> it's so... <laughs> I saw it was uh, Matthew Trueblood at MA Trueblood was talking about the masterstroke that Boras pulled here by pivoting to the to the Mets immediately and then getting his mouthpiece Heyman to get Steve Cohen to comment on record about the signing. They're not supposed to do that until it's official, which means the Mets will have a very hard time backing out of the deal. Sounds like Boras. He's really good at what he does. Yep. And it's really annoying. Uh, at Elisaurus at Mastodon.lol at Ellie Ellie Hart says, with what looks like the majority of moves probably being done, how would you compare this upcoming season's roster to the past few seasons on opening day? Why don't you take this one to start? Um, the past few seasons? I think it's probably better than... than uh, the strike or the uh, the COVID season, <laughs> I think it's probably better than um, twenty twenty one. I don't know if it's better than twenty twenty two on paper. Like yeah, that's really going to gonna depend on how certain guys bounce back. Because if you look at what what they have, I mean, entering twenty twenty two, you had Vlad coming off his breakout MVP season. You had Barrios being Barrios. You had you know, a full season coming of Springer, Manoa, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now we've had a season where a bunch of those guys had worse years and there's more questions around them. So on a talent basis, I think you could say it's a, it's comparable, but it's really hard to answer it with, without knowing what some of those guys are going to be this year. Once again, looking into the future, so bloody difficult. Um, John Nancy Cavell at J Nance Cavell, who should be the Jays' fourth outfielder for the upcoming season? Is this you saying Robbie Grossman again? <laughs> <laughs> or Trey Mancini or, you know, any of the other names I threw out there before. If the Jays don't get anybody, it's Whit Merrifield. Now, by the way, I was saying that they should get a, someone like a right-handed hitter. And then later after that, I switched it to just someone who can hit. The reason I switched it is because Merrifield rakes against left-handed pitching. And so does Santiago Espinal. So on days when they're facing a tough lefty, they could just throw Merrifield into left 
and sit Varsho or sit Kiermaier. And they could get away with that. The only downside is you have to play one of the two lefties against a very tough lefty without getting someone else. Yeah. It's happened before. You'd like to avoid it. Uh, Joe at Jokas108. Assuming no major uh, injuries, how many games does Varsho actually catch in? And is Jansen extension a realistic possibility? And if so, what does it look like? Um, <clears throat> I don't think he starts any games. Um, I assume he catches in, mm, I would say under 10 because of the convenience of being able to substitute him in somewhere in, in late game situations. Yeah, but I can see him starting a game or two here or there just to keep him sharp at the position. But yeah, if no, if Jansen and Kirk aren't hurt, there's no reason to catch Varsho. Yeah. As for an extension, well, I think they should absolutely be trying to extend Danny Jensen right now. I think as soon as the trade was announced, I tweeted out, Chase needs to extend Jensen right now. Jensen's a free agent in two years, and there's no other realistic catcher close to ready in the pipeline. So it's going to be something they're going to have to address, that backup spot, because – you know, while Jansen's on the roster, Kirk's not going to play a full catcher slate of games. Mm -hmm. So they won't even know if he can do it by the time Dan Jensen becomes a free agent. So, yeah, I think they should absolutely be looking to lock him up. As for what it looks like, that's really hard to answer. I think the, in yeah, the injury history makes it so, so difficult to, uh, to get a good value on Danny Jansen. Because if he continues to be injured, well, it's not, he's not worth that much at all. <laughs> Um, ADGE at Adrian Christosism, Christ, I'm sorry. Chrysostim. Thank you. Uh, apologies, Adrian. Considering our need for a right-handed hitter, I'd like your thoughts on the following outfield. Mc outfielders. McCutcheon. Yay or nay? Nay. Grossman. Yay. Yay. Duval. Yay. Pollock. That's Adam Duval. Adam Duval. AJ Pollock. Yeah, as well. I mentioned Pollock and Grossman yep. in the earlier part. Uh, or, or a less schematic fit like Cruz or Aguilar. Does he mean Nelson Cruz? He does. <laughs> Is he an outfielder anymore? No, I think that's the less schematic uh, okay. fit part. Aguilar's a first-base DH as well. I wouldn't be upset with that just because I think they need someone who can just mash. I, I, I do think it'd be more ideal if the person could play a position, though. Either either outfield or first base. So Aguilar can play first base. He shouldn't. And Cruz can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> but man, can he hit. <laughs> uh, Garth Eorgi. At Garth Eorgi. Garth Orge, man. Now there's a Y on there. I know. Garth Orgy and Garth Orgy. Oh, man. Uh, who is going to be our fifth starter? And who would you like to be our fifth starter? Um, my answer to that is Yusei Kikuchi and Corey Kluber. <laughs> Same answer. Wow. Yeah. I thought for sure Queda was going to come up. <laughs> no, oh, look. <laughs> Kluber's better. I love Johnny Cueto, and I would be thrilled if they got him, but I, realistically, Corey Kluber would be a better fit. All right. Uh, Zach Marshall. Uh, oh. it's, a, it's just basically a repeat of the yeah. last few questions. Um, last the one thing bit. this adds, 
is that it asked for like who do we want to fill out the last two bench spots. I think that for if they get one of these guys who can hit and play the outfield or hit and play first base. If it's an outfielder, they need someone who can play first. If it's if it's a first baseman, they need a just just a speed guy. Right. Uh, okay, current lineup, given the roster that we have, that you would use against left-handed pitchers. Do you take Varsho for the D on those days or wait for him off the bench for late innings and mix it up? Right now, they just can't do that. They They, they can't bench both lefties. So... Varsho stays in for defense in center field. Merrifield goes to left. Espinal to second, and everyone else stays where they are. Makes sense to me. Um, also, who should I put on the back of it? This is ADGE, uh, Adrian again. Who should I put on the back of an A's jersey? <laughs> Eckersley, Henderson, or Hatterberg? So th- we should probably redirect this question to Jesse Goldberg's last... Slasser? Strassler. Wow. Strassler. Yeah, I had trouble saying that one. Sorry, Jesse. Friend of the podcast, too. I think you should get a Stanley Burrell jersey. He's better known by the name MC Hammer. But he was a bad boy. He's a bad boy for the A's. If you could get a a Burrell A's jersey, that's the one to get. I don't know how you could go with anyone but Gene Tennis. (laughs) Jay's connection. Yeah, exactly. And the man knew the value of a walk in 1973. He also knew the value of hitting home runs in the World Series. See? Gene <laughs> Tennis, greatest greatest Oakland A of all time. Let us not speak of any of the other Oakland A's who may have exceeded him. Matt uh, Chapman. Ooh, that, that would be bittersweet, wouldn't it? Um, yep. He doesn't seem to want a current player, though. <laughs> <laughs> Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6 as our uh, saving the best for last. Which players do you hope, expect the Jays will announce contract extensions with before the 2023 season begins? I expect it will be Matt Chapman. No, I don't know. I hope it'll be Matt Chapman and Danny Jansen. I don't expect it'll actually be any of them. I hope that they just do the bow and Vlad thing. Yeah, I mean, I Blow really hope that, but it just seems so unlikely for them, given the way the free agency has gone. What contract does Bo Bichette accept right now after seeing Xander Bogarts get 11 years, 280 million? Yeah. He's three years younger than Bogarts. Hamana. <laughs> he's sorry, he'll be three years younger than Bogarts when he reaches free agency. Right now, he's considerably younger. So. I mean, he's looking at mid 300s. Vlad's probably looking at something in that range. And I just think it's hard to give that money to someone three years before free agency when you're in the Jays' position. I, I hope it happens, but I don't expect it. Um, yeah. Is there a pitcher you think they might? Do you think Alec Manoa? Do you think you can get away with trying to offer him something? I think they should. $100 million? $120 million? That's a bit much for a pre-arbitration pitcher, but they should definitely offer him something. We shall see. All right. That somehow got us through all the questions. And because we're through the questions, that means I get to move on to the gold star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. 
Tell me a tale in three tweets, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so when the trade of Varsho to the Blue Jays broke, Jeff Passan tweeted out, the Blue Jays and Arizona Dimebacks are in agreement on a trade that will send outfielder Dalton Varsho to the Blue Jays for a package that includes top catching prospect Gabriel Moreno. A Blue Jays Twitter account, fan Twitter account, called Lourdes Guriel Enthusiast, at, or with two pineapples, at Guriel, quote tweeted, literally couldn't care what we give up. Let's go. And then Bob Nightingale says, the D-backs will also receive Lourdes Guriel in the deal. <laughs> Next tweet from that guy. Are you serious right now, bro? <laughs> it's one of those life coming at you fast moments. <laughs> The Your entire syrup. identity, the whole thing, just <laughs> out the door. The gold star, though, goes to the Arizona Diamondbacks social media people who saw, found this and tweeted out, Hey, Guriel, should we put you in touch with our team shop? That's good marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're really a Guriel enthusiast, surely you've, you've just discovered your need for a different jersey with his name on it. In the worst way possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the problem with wrapping your up. I, I did tweet about this myself. I, you can be a fan of a team, right? You can be a fan of a player on that team. You can even be a fan of that player when, you, when he leaves that team. But baseball is just, it's a business that involves changing loyalties. A lot. <laughs> so yep. brace yourself, folks. It can happen to any of us. Sure can. And that it means that we are approaching the end of uh, this holiday podcast, which you can tell was a holiday podcast by the fact that we recorded it on Boxing Day. Um, and I'm going to ask you, Josh, for your final Boxing Day thought. Yeah, so we didn't really talk about the barrio change like we thought we were going to we just ran out of, out of time but there's a good piece that andrew stoughton wrote on his Substack, the bat flip he actually went in depth on this on this uh topic based on some comments from atkins so i should just go read that but my, my real thought here is that the jays have been a lot of clear focus on run prevention adding varsho adding kiermeyer you know getting chris bassett They've also really improved the base running. Guriel and Teoscar were both, well, Teoscar was very fast, uh, and Guriel was not slow, but neither of them were particularly great base runners. Kiermaier and Varsho are excellent base runners. Varsho isn't actually that fast either, but he just gets such good jumps, which is part of why he's so good in the outfield. He gets to top speed very quickly. So the two of them could really improve the Jays' ability to score on extra base hits and singles, even though they were pretty good at it last year, they could make them top tier. Well thought. I'm going to swing all the way around to the Hall of Fame voting, which wraps up in about five days for those who are blessed to, enough to have a ballot. Uh, current public uh, voting uh, on the Hall of Fame tracker, which you can find at various places online now, because finally, the last couple of years, not Mr. Tibbs has, um, has, has got other people on the project, so he doesn't have to lose his mind trying to keep track of these things. Um, Todd Helton and Scott Rowland, who I do believe are both perfectly deserving Hall of Famers, are both sitting right on the bubble for election, and they will 
most likely drop off when the private ballots that always seem to have less names on them uh, than previous ones. Um, ending a rather long streak of writer elected uh, people going into the hall. I continue to be just flabbergasted at the Hall of Fame voting process and, and how it, it goes from year to year, even though I keep thinking that more enlightened writers will show up. So uh, if you're a baseball writer and you're listening to this, I think people would be fine with more of the game represented in the museum, not less. That's all I have to say about that. It's not actually a long streak because no one was elected two years ago, but you're generally well, I agree with your general point. Um, my bad on the blanking out on two years ago. Which is to say that I'm going to not blank out on remembering this is episode number 255 of the Artificial Turf Wars. You have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and we will talk at you sometime early in the new year.